Hey, um, if you're here for the very first time, my name's Mark, and uh, I'm the pastor here. We're just excited to have you. Um, if uh, you're here, you're brand new, we've got a free gift for you. We'd love to give you. Just fill out your connection card, take it to the welcome area after church. Um, and I, if I've never met you, or uh, I'd love to say hi to you after church, I'll be at the welcome area, pray with you, answer any questions, you, any way we can serve you. We'd love to connect with you after church here today. Uh, we are in a series called Transformed. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to John 12. Uh, we're going to get there in just a couple of minutes. John 12, 24 through 26 is where we're going to be at in just a moment. And so you can go ahead and open it up, turn it on there. The, the words are going to be on the screen, I believe, here in just a moment if they're not there already. Uh, but man, I just think, I just uh, uh, believe in opening up your copy of, of the Bible if you've got one, your copy of the scriptures or using your phone, if that's what you typically use, just so you can get familiar with it, take notes, uh, and just see what God says to you uh, there this morning. So we're going to be in John 12 in just a moment. We just prayed, but I'm going to pray again, all right? So I'm going to do it one more time here, and we're just going to ask Jesus to come and speak to us here this morning, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that right now you're alive and your word is alive. Your spirit's at work in this room right now, Jesus, and I pray that you would speak to us. God, as I look around at our, at our community, God, at the world, Father, we pray for an awakening from you. God, we pray for a renewal, a revival, God, from you, Jesus, a genuine move of your spirit. And so, God, would you just raise up a remnant? Would you raise up a remnant of people? God, and I pray it's right here in this church who are hungry for you, desperate for you, and that desperation would drive us to prayer, drive us to seek you, and, and, to, and to fast, and to do whatever it takes just to see hazard look more like heaven, to see the kingdom come, to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, that's your plan here. Your plan here is not for us just to have some services, listen to a sermon, sing some songs, and then we leave. Your plan, your will, is to literally bring the kingdom into our hearts. And so, God, would you do that right now? Would you do that? I believe you're already doing that in, our, in this room. Would you just continue to do that? And that your will be done in our hearts as it is in heaven. Father, we love you. We ask God this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we're doing in this series, Transformation, next week we're going to wrap it up. Next week, uh, I want to I urge you to be here. If you can, next week I want to ask you, hey, bring some people with you. All right, uh, next week is our eight-year anniversary as a church, so Summit turns eight uh, next week, and we're wrapping up this series, Transformed, next week, uh, but what we've been doing in this series, we've been talking about how God wants to bring transformation to the whole person, so we've, <clears throat> excuse me, we've talked about mental health, we've talked about emotional health, and how God wants to bring transformation to every single bit of who we are, and here's the thing, we love that idea, don't we? We love the idea of God changing us. And so we'll pray and we'll say, God, change me. And, and, and we may think that the main way that God's going to do that is we wake up, you know, maybe early and we're looking at a beautiful sunset. We've got a cup of coffee in our hand. And as we're reading the Bible, Jesus just changes us. And listen, that can happen, but that's not the only way that it happens. Or, or we say, Jesus, change me. And we think that that's mainly going to happen as I come to church and, and we're singing songs. And maybe I could just get caught up in the emotion of it and I leave changed. And, and listen, praise God, man, that can happen. But as I talk to people, and, and as I look at the scriptures, what I hear from people, and, and it just lines up right with, right with scripture, what I hear from people as I talk to them is that the most transformative time in their lives as they've been following Jesus, or the time in their life where, where Jesus just seemed to bring the most amount of change 
that they can look back on and say, man, listen, I came out of that differently. As I talk to people, the times in people's lives when they can really point to and say, you know what, God did something there when I look back at it. I have changed since that particular point season event. The thing that God seems to use as I listen to people's stories to bring the most transformation in the quickest amount of time is trials, pain, tragedy, difficulties that we go through. Hard times that we walk through. It, 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 might, be, it, might, be some kind of, it might be some kind of diagnosis that we get. It might be some kind of situation that we're kind of thrust into and we didn't plan for it. We didn't really want to walk into that. And we, we, we fought against it the entire time. But when we look back at it, we look back at it and we realize, you know what? I came out of that changed. I'm a different person because of that event. It was hard. It hurt. But I think that God changed me. And see, when you look at the Bible, the main word that the Bible uses for those kind of experiences, the Bible uses this word trials. And you can think about the word trials as, as really like a junk drawer term. Does anybody have a junk drawer in their house? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've got like 50 junk drawers, you know, where just everything, where's that go? Put it in the junk drawer. You know, everything's in there. You know, like your pets are in there and the tape's in there and everything. You, everything's in the junk drawer. Trials kind of like a junk drawer term where you can just put, a, the Bible puts a lot of things into that word. Every kind of trial, every kind of pain, every kind of difficulty, things that annoy us, things that get on our nerves, all of those things go into the, go into the drawer of this word that the Bible uses called trials. And here's the thing, everybody goes through trials, don't they? Christians or non-Christians, everybody goes through trials. Every single person, we, we live in a broken world, and that brokenness makes its way into everybody's life, whether you're saved or not, go to church or not, Christian or not. But as followers of Jesus, what God calls us to do is God calls us to look at our lives and especially our trials. God calls us to look at our trials, those pains, the, those things of difficulty. God calls us to look at those things through a lens of faith so we look at it and we say, you know what, I don't know what's going on right now, but I, I'm convinced God is with me here. Or we walk through a trial and we look back at it and we say, you know what, that was really hard, but I think that God was with me the entire time. I didn't see him when I was walking through it, but looking back, I see the hand of God throughout the entire process. It's like the verse that we all know, and I think that we all, the, I think one of the dangers that we, we all know this verse so well, we've heard it so many times. The, the promise has kind of lost its power on us. The problem isn't with the prom, promise. The problem is our, maybe our familiarity with it. But Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And a lot of times we're so familiar with that, it doesn't land on us. But think about what God is promising there. That God has the ability to work all things together, including trials. It's like Joseph. Joseph, if you know the story of Joseph in the, in the book of Genesis, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. He's accused of all kinds of horrible things, spends literally decades in jail, and just through a turn of events, uh, a famine hits Egypt, and you can read the story in the last several chapters of the book of Genesis. Joseph was in jail, falsely accused of trying to rape a woman who's married to a guy named Potiphar. He's brought out of jail, brought before Pharaoh, because they hear that this man of God has the power to interpret dreams. 
Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph interprets it, says it's a famine. Sure enough, this famine comes to Egypt. And years later, the brothers that sold Joseph into slavery go to Egypt to get food. They think Joseph's dead. They don't realize they're standing in front of Joseph. Joseph, second in command of the most powerful country in the world, nation in the world in that time. They're asking Joseph for food. And, and just through a series of events, that family is reconciled. But Joseph in Genesis 50 looks back at all the horrible things that he went through and says one of the best verses in the Bible. He says, looks at his brothers and says, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Meaning that, guys, listen, as I look back, everything that happened to me, I might not have seen it when I was in jail. I might not have seen it when I was being accused. But you know what? I can look back, guys, and I went through some evil things. And God had the ability to take what is evil and turn it for good. See, if we're going to follow Jesus through, through, for our entire lives, we've got to understand how loss, how pain, how trials relate to God and all of life. we got to. Because so many of us, so many of us, when pain, so many Christians, when pain comes into their life, difficulty comes into our life, we don't know what to do. We, we, we freak out. We lose it. So many Christians, when hard things come into their life, they don't have a filter for that. It's almost like they're being attacked by an alien force, and they have no idea how to interpret that. Because I think somewhere along the way, especially Christians in the West, specifically America, we have this idea that it's Jesus' job to make sure that our life never goes bad. It's Jesus' job to make sure that life is always easy. It's Jesus' job. I give my life to Jesus. Now it's his job to make sure that everything works out, that I never hurt, that nothing ever goes bad. And for the life of me, I have no idea where we got that idea. Because listen, when you read the Bible, listen, the godliest people in the Bible, they were treated like dirt. Right? Job. You know the story of Job. Job lost his health. Job lost his family virtually except for his wife. Job lost his income. And none of that happened because Job sinned. It just happened. Joseph, we already talked about Joseph and everything he went through. The apostle Paul, simply for following Jesus, the apostle Paul is put in jail. He's beaten up. His reputation ran through the mud. Look at Jesus. Jesus. The book of Isaiah says that Jesus was a man of sorrows. And Jesus suffered. Jesus went through trials. And so, we, so we've got to understand how trials and all of these things relate to God and all of life. Because God has the ability to use trials to be a transformative force in our lives. If we let him. So what I want to do today is I want to give us really, honestly, a framework for your entire life as a Christian. I want to give us a framework for, for our entire lives as Christians, but especially the way we think about hard things that we go through. So if you've got a Bible, hopefully by now you've found it, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 is where we're going to be, and we're going to read, uh, we're going to read verses uh, 23 through 26. We're going to read verses 23 through 26. I don't think 23 is on the screen, but I'm going to uh, just add that in. So if you've got your Bible open, go ahead and read that. Uh, 23, it says this, Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now watch 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life 
Whoever, lo- whoever loves his life rather loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so in verse 23 there, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, if you are are familiar with the Gospels a little bit, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over and over in the early chapters of all four Gospels, Jesus will say this. He'll say, guys, listen, the hour hasn't come. My hour has not yet come. When he, when he says the hour has not yet come, Jesus, when he says hour, he's talking about the hour where he's going to be arrested, crucified for the sins of the world. So over and over in John, first 11 chapters, the, my hour has not yet come. That's why when Jesus drives demons out of people and they say, you're the son of God, Jesus says, Jesus says silence. But the hour's not yet come for me to reveal my identity and that sort of thing. My hour's not yet come. Well, right here in John 12, everything changes and Jesus says that hour's come. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That word glorified, it means to be clothed with splendor. If you know the, you know the story of the transfiguration, you ever heard that story? You know that story? That story is, there's, there's an episode in the Gospels. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. And they're going to go up on this mountain, right? They're going to pray with Jesus. And right in the middle while they're praying, Jesus literally starts to glow. I mean, think about it. His body starts to glow, his hair starts to glow, his clothes start to glow. I mean, Jesus literally begins to glow. And what's happening there, the the Bible says he's so bright they couldn't look at him. What's happening there is Jesus is almost giving Peter, James, and John a behind-the-scenes look at who he really is. You know, all through Jesus' life, people are saying, hey, are you the Son of God? I mean, we don't know. The jury's still out. Are you, G- are you God? We, we really don't know. Jesus, right here, just in front, of, in front of these three disciples, he's showing them that he's God. I mean, literally, when he's glowing, that is the glory of God. Jesus is letting the glory of God shine through his life. And then when they walk off the mountain, that, that shining, the brightness goes away. Uh, but, but they're getting a, uh, getting a behind-the-scenes look of Jesus glorified because Jesus is going go to the, go to the right hand of the Father where he is right now. Jesus is going to be glorified in heaven, meaning that Jesus just lives in splendor. Jesus is, is so beautiful, so bright right now that if we were to look at him, we just couldn't handle it. We've never seen anything like Jesus. He's so glorious right now. And Jesus says, listen, guys, the hour has come for me to be glorified. And that sounds awesome, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus is saying, guys, I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be transformed from, from just this man that you've been walking with. People are going to see me for the God that I really am. My glory is going to shine through. I'm going to be transformed. That sounds amazing. And then he tells you how he's going to do it. In verse 24, he tells you how he's going to do it. Guys, I'm going to be transformed. Here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like a grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies. And when it dies, and, 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 if, and if it doesn't die, it remains alone. But guys, listen, by my life, my life, I'm like that grain of wheat. If I die, there's going to be a lot of fruit come out of my life. And so Jesus says this, I'm going to be transformed, but the path to my transformation is death and resurrection. And that would be great if he just left it right there. But Jesus doesn't leave it right there. He goes to verse 25, and Jesus says this, whoever loves his life will lose it. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. So Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be like a grain of wheat that dies. My transformation is going to come through my death and resurrection. And then Jesus says, and it's going to be the same for every one of my followers. 
that if you're going to follow me, the path of transformation for me is going to be the path of transformation for you. Think about it. When Jesus says, follow me, where is he going? He's going to the cross, right? He's going to Calvary. He's going to die. He says, listen, if you follow me, we're going to the same place. Calvary leads to an empty tomb, but transformation, right here, the path of transformation for us is the same one that Jesus walked, death and resurrection. Listen, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You can sum up the entire Christian life with death and resurrection. You can sum up the whole experience of following Jesus, no matter how young or old you are. You can sum up the entire existence of following Jesus with death and resurrection. You give your life to Jesus. That's death and resurrection right there. You're dying to who you used to be. And literally, right there in that moment when you give your life to Jesus, something brand new is being born right in your life. Baptism. Baptism is the first thing Jesus invites us to do. Once we start to follow him, baptism is literally a picture of death and resurrection. Go down into the water, picture of dying to who you used to be, out, raised to walk. We say it every time, raised to walk in newness of life. Jesus, verse 26, again, if anyone's going to serve me, they've got to follow me. Every step forward in following Jesus is you and I dying to something so Jesus can resurrect new life inside of us. Dying to old motives, dying to old desires, dying to, to, to things that used to trigger us and lead to certain responses so that new desires can be born, so that new motivations can be born, so that new responses can be born. I mean, have you ever noticed? I mean, think about this for a second. Have you ever noticed how hard it is just to follow Jesus every single day? It's because a part of you has to die to do it, right? Jesus says, love your enemies, How's that going? Is that working out for you? Oh, that's easy as pie, is it? Well, I would love to hear your, you should be the preacher here, right? Loving your enemies and forgiving your enemies is hard because a part of you doesn't want to. And if we're going to do it, that part has got to die. Does that make sense? Something in me has to die to pray for my enemies. I don't want to naturally do it. Something in me has to die. And when that dies, something new can be raised to life. Death and resurrection, that's the framework for our entire Christian life. And ultimately, when this life ends, when this life ends, it's going to lead to our resurrection. I mean, not only was Jesus glorified, y'all know, we're going to be glorified too. Did you know this, right? Did you know this? We don't talk about this a lot in church. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we're going to be glorified too. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to become little gods, all right? We're not going to do that. But Jesus is going to finish what he started in our lives. And the Bible says we will be with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth in glorified bodies. What's that look like? I don't know. What's it all mean? I don't know. All I know is I want one. That's all I, all I know is I want one, all right? But we're going to spend eternity with Jesus in a glorified body. Think about that. The very second, think about this for a second. The very moment that you lay eyes on Jesus, you will never struggle with anxiety again. Man, I'd amen that. I mean, but that's just me. The very moment you look at Jesus, you will never be, you'll never struggle with bitterness again. Did you know that? Hello? Amen? Think about this. Every follower of Jesus ultimately gets healed either in this life or the next one. Because in the new heavens and new earth, glorified body, there is no sickness, hello, pain, death, disease. The former things have passed away. 
so we will be glorified too. The path to that glorification, death and resurrection. You can sum up the entire Christian life in death and resurrection. But not just one, listen to me, hundreds of them. As you and I, we follow Jesus throughout our lives, there's going to be hundreds of some little, some really big, hundreds of deaths and resurrections throughout our lives right here on earth as we're following Jesus. Just hundreds of them. I'll give you an example. An example is loss. Loss of any kind is a form of dying that leads to resurrection. So you lose your job. You lose friends. You, you lose your health. As you get older, you lose your youth. Maybe you were able to play a sport and you were really good at that sport. You got injured and you lost maybe some playing time or the complete ability to play that game at all or the way that you used to be able to play it. You lose someone close to you. A friend, a family member. Loss is a form of, of, of dying to old things so that Jesus can bring new things out of us if we see him in it. Loss is a form of dying. Change is another, is another form. Change is another path that God invites us on so that he can bring new life out of us. I mean, does anybody here hate change at all? Put your hand up. Anybody? Look at, look at there. Look at there. Right? Just hate change. Try to avoid it all the time. Seasons change. Except for this year, it's just an eternal summer. Um, it's just summer from now on. Um, the seasons in your life change, don't they? Parents, if your kids graduate high school and you take them to college, that's a season that's changing in your life. And people describe the emotion of that to me and just what it's like to walk through that season as a way of dying that you can't go back to. Maybe we change jobs. Maybe we change schools. Maybe just something in our life changes. Maybe a relationship changes. Your parents get divorced. You get divorced. The relationship you thought you'd always have changes, and, it, and it's not there. Change, if we see that God's hand in it, change can be an invitation to die to some old things so that new things can be resurrected in our lives. You say, well, Mark, what in, the world could, what in the world could all this be for? What in the world? I mean, why would God invite us to, to all this kind of death and resurrection? What in the world could Jesus be trying to do through this loss in my life, through this change in my life? Well, here's one thing. Listen, I don't know all the answers. I mean, I'm not God. I don't know all the ins and outs of everything that, of all the ins and outs of everything that God does. But I at least know that one thing that happens when we walk through a trial and when God is saying, listen, I want you to see my hand in this. I want you to see that I'm working through this so that I can begin to work through this. One thing at least that Jesus is inviting us to die to or to walk away from is our attachment to the world. I mean, we all know the verse James 4 says life is a vapor, but we like to live like everything here is going to last forever. Nothing here will last forever. You understand that? That's just the truth. Nothing here will last forever. You go through high school and you do everything you can to fit in, everything you can to get people to like you. And maybe you make some bad decisions that you regret, but you know what? I became popular because I did that. People started liking me because I did that. And you give four years to just being noticed, liked, and accepted. Then you graduate. 
and you never see them again. And that loss, that, that change can be an invitation from God. You build your identity, your hopes in the stock market, and then it crashes and there's a recession. And if you see God, that can be an invitation for change. And, and Jesus just wants us to realize that everything in this world is not going to last. Every This is just a framework for, for living our entire lives as followers of Jesus, that Jesus is inviting us to walk away from old patterns so that new things can be raised in our lives. But here's the catch. This doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen automatically that you walk through a really hard event or you walk through a really hard season and then you come out on the other side loving God more. It's not automatic, is it? Every single one of us can talk about somebody that went through something and they used to be faithful in church. They used to love God and talk about it all the time. And then they walked through a trial and because of that trial they said, you know what? If God can't handle this, then God can't handle my life and I walk away. Every one of us likely has a story of somebody that went through something and that thing shipwrecked their faith. So what we're talking about isn't automatic. So how can we avoid that? How can we, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the, the thing is that we're walking through, how can you and I, instead of trials making shipwreck of our faith, we can walk through it and Jesus can actually resurrect some new things in our lives. Let me give you a couple things really quickly. I think two things. Let me give you a couple things really quickly. How you and I, we can learn to see God, begin to see God in our trials, in our situations, so they don't make shipwreck of our faith. We can actually grow to new things in our lives. The first one, if you're writing things down, we have to live in reality. We have to live in reality. If you and I, we're going to walk through trials, suffering, pain, loss, change if we're going to walk through these and still have faith in Jesus and grow first thing we have to live in reality then Christians just seem to have all people but but for some reason Christians Christians just seem to have a hard time dealing with loss Christians just seem to have a hard time dealing with grief and listen yes the Bible says that we don't grieve like like the world does but we still grieve, don't we? We still grieve, don't we? Yeah, we don't grieve like the world, people with no hope. But we still grieve, don't we? Can I just tell you one of the things, being a pastor, doing what I do, a lot of times you get, you find yourself involved in some of the most darkest moments of people's lives. You find yourself regularly invited into pain. And I'm stunned by the amount of times that people walk through some kind of, kind of traumatic event some kind of pain, loss, significant change, and then they just try to stuff it down and say, hey, we're fine. Don't process it. Don't deal with it. No, no time to grieve. Just, hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. We're fine. Everybody's fine over here. How are you? We're all okay. And we just try to move on like nothing ever happened. I love this quote from Pete Scazzaro. I think it's going to be on the screen. He says this, year after year, we deny and avoid the difficulties and losses of life, the rejections and frustrations. People in our churches minimize their failures and disappointment. The result is that for many today, at least in prosperous North America, there's widespread inability to face pain. 
This has led to an overall feeling of superficiality and a lack of profound compassion. We just walk through something, oh, I'm fine. Oh, oh, it was no big deal. Oh, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, but you're not now. The shortest verse in the Bible. What is this? Anybody know? Jesus wept. Says it at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And Jesus knows that in five seconds, he's about to resurrect Lazarus and he's about to walk right out of that tomb. Jesus knows that this funeral is going to turn into a celebration. But before Jesus says, Lazarus, rise, Jesus weeps. And that word in Greek, the word for weeping, the only compare, that, that's, that's really not what that verse says. But the, but the phrase in Greek is so hard, Eng, the, the English language, there's no comparison. So we just have to say Jesus wept. Because in Greek, it's literally trying to give us the image that Jesus is crying with such emotion and pain. It's in comparison to just a pig or a hog that snorts. Think about it. You ever ugly cry? Just snot everywhere, right? And, and here's what's happening. Jesus, watch this, watch this. Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus is emotionally breaking down. Why? Because death has touched his friend. And what's happening is Jesus is sad and Jesus is also furious that death would touch his friend. And before Jesus resurrects Lazarus, Jesus takes time to grieve. Just let that speak to you today. That the Son of God, who knew what was going to happen in a minute, wept. What do you do with your pain? What do you do with your losses? What do you do with grief? Do you just stuff it down? Oh, I'm fine. It was no big deal what happened to me. It's no big deal. Yes, it was. Because you're a person made in the image of God and God made you. He loves you and you matter to him. It was a big deal. Grief and processing it, dealing with pain and loss. Listen, it's an essential part of following Jesus. It's an essential part of our discipleship. I'm hurting. Where is God in my hurt? We have to live in reality. The more we try to ignore and act like things don't bother us, it's like we're trying to live in another world. We have to live in reality. Jesus wasn't afraid to live in the reality of a broken world. Before we move on, last thing, let me say this. Because I think we struggle with this here. See, at the same time, I can say these two things. Watch this. God is good and faithful, and life is hard. Does that make sense? And the second doesn't cancel out the first. Does that make sense? God is good and God loves me. Man, God, I've seen the faithfulness of God in my life. But what I'm going through right now is horrible. What I'm going through right now is hard and it hurts. Read the Psalms if you don't know what that is. God, you're my shield and my refuge. The next verse, God, where are you? I trust you. God, this hurts. We got to live in reality. We, we have to live in reality. The next one, we got to embrace mystery. We have to embrace the mystery. People always ask, why am I suffering? Why are we going through this? What's happening? Here's the thing that people say to me all the time. What did I do? I get a diagnosis. Something bad happens with my family. What did I do to make this happen? And can I just answer, the, answer that for a second? Can I just answer that for a second? Listen, the gospel isn't Jesus paid 90% and we're going to pay 10%. 
That's not the song we sing, is it? We don't sing Jesus paid 90%, we got 10%, we still got to pay off. Well, that's not what we sing. No, what do we sing? We sing Jesus paid what? We sing Jesus paid it all. Listen, Jesus paid for all of our sins. You and I don't pay for any of it. So when we hurt, when we struggle, when we suffer, when the brokenness of the world comes into our life, I'm telling you, it's not because you and I have to pay for sin. Sin's already been paid for, amen? Sin has already been paid for. Even if the difficulty in our life came, came into our life through consequence of our own sin, we're not paying for that sin. So why do we suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? We just have to lean in and embrace the mystery. God, I don't know why everything happens the way that it does. I mean, think about it. Between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is that Saturday. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with the disciples on that Saturday. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about that Saturday. I want to know what happened on Saturday. Y'all, we left everything to follow this guy. We left our families, we left our jobs, and he's dead. Now what do we do? And I just think that there was no answer. Because they had no idea that in 24 hours, everything that was, was going to change. But man, that was a long time leading to that 24 hours. You just got to embrace the mystery of it. God, I don't, I don't understand what's happening, but God, I'm just going to trust you. And this just leads to our last one, and then we're... We're done. We're done right here. I think this is the biggest one. So how can we navigate these trials so they don't shipwreck our faith, but they actually lead to resurrection in our lives, live in reality, embrace the mystery? Here's the biggest one. I think we just simply have to stay with Jesus. Just simply have to stay with Jesus in the hurt, in the pain, in the suffering, in everything that's going on. In the very next chapter, I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. I think it might be. In the very next chapter, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and they all think it's weird. The reason they think it's weird is because Jesus is a rabbi. That's a position of authority. People in authority don't take the position of a servant, and servants wash feet. Jesus is washing feet, and Peter says, what are you doing, man? Why are you washing my feet? And Jesus says a few things. But verse 7, there it is on the screen. Look at verse 7. Live in verse 7. Verse 7, to Peter and to all of us, what I'm doing right now, you do not understand. But afterward, you will understand. Do you hear that? Jesus, why am I hurting like this? Why did we lose this? Jesus, why are we walking through this? Jesus, what are you doing? Right now, you don't understand. But later, you will. Isn't that the way that most of the things of God work? Don't we? A lot of the things of God, they make sense when we look at it in the rearview mirror, don't they? You ever been that way? Right? I look back at it, and then all of a sudden I can see, oh my gosh, I'm a different person because of that. That was really hard, but God used that to bring transformation in my life. So if you're here today, and you are walking through some kind of loss, and you're walking through some kind of pain, you're walking through some kind of hurt, you're walking through some kind of confusing season, can I just give you one advice that I think that Jesus has given the disciples right here when they're all confused? It's just simply this, to stay with Jesus. When everything in you is kicking and screaming, when everything in you wants to walk away, can I just tell you one thing? Stay with Jesus. Later, you will understand. Not if you walk away. Not if you throw in the towel. Later, you will understand. Summit, listen to me. In God's economy... God can, turn, God can turn darkness to light. God can turn a burden into a blessing. God can turn death 
into resurrection. But we got to stay with him. And so some of you, maybe today, you just feel like you are holding on for dear life. And look at me. That's all you have to do. You don't have to explain it. It doesn't have to make sense. You just have to hang on. And can I tell you that you hanging on, that's somebody else holding on to you. Amen? Remember we said last week, God's the initiator. God is holding on to you. It doesn't have to make sense. Later it will. When? When does resurrection come? Here's the answer. In God's time. Resurrection comes in God's time. Maybe in this life, definitely in the next. But I'm telling you, right now we can understand bits and pieces. But there is coming a day when we'll see him face to face. And our faith will give way to sight. And mystery will give way to clarity. And we will see how God took every broken piece of our life and made a beautiful story of redemption. But you got to stay with him, church. And do not walk away. And as you're holding on, he's holding on to you. And so right now, you might be walking through that. That hurt, that pain, that loss. And Jesus, his invitation is simply come to me. All who are weary, all who are broken and tired. And I will give you rest. Would you just pray with me this morning? Let's just go to the Lord in prayer today. And right now this morning, maybe that's you. Maybe you are in a place of hurt. And I just know that so many people in our community are in that place right now. And if we could just take an eye of faith. Maybe we could begin to see that what we walk through doesn't make sense now. But we're not alone. That God is coming to you. That God is coming to us. And so this morning you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have an explanation for everything. Jesus says later you will understand. So what do I do now? Now you just stay. Now you... Now you just hang on. And so maybe, maybe in this week or maybe in this season of life that you're in, you, you've never taken a moment just to live in reality. And I just want to give you a chance to do that right now. I just want to give you a moment to sit with Jesus with loss today. To sit with Jesus with grief today. And so maybe, as we've done for the past several weeks, right there in your seat. And if it helps, you can just hold your hands out before God and say, God, this is where we are, and it hurts. This is the loss, and it hurts. This is the change, and it doesn't make sense. This is, this is the difficulty. This is the pain. God, this is where I am. name that before God just lift that up to God and know that even as you do that you are loved by God that God is for you God's not threatened by your confusion God's not threatened by your questions 
Instead, the Bible says that God is actually near to the brokenhearted. And so maybe today you're brokenhearted. But you're not aware of the nearness of God. And so right now, would you just say, God, make me aware of your presence with me, with my family, with us. If that's you today and you're walking through that season of pain, of difficulty, of loss, confusion. If that's you, would you just put your hand in the air this morning so we can pray for you, so I can pray for you. Anybody just put your hand up. There's a hand right there. There's another one. Anyone else? I'm going through that right now. That's me. That's my family. There's another one. Anyone else? There's another one right there. There's another one. Amen. You might be here today and you're walking through something. You're in the middle of some confusing season, hard season of trial. And you are finding it hard just to stay with Jesus. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right now so I can pray for you? This is a safe place. You can say, I'm having a hard time with that right now. Just put your hand up. There's hands right there. Anyone else? Thank you for those hands. God bless you for that. Anyone, I'm just having a hard time with that. There's another one right there. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm just, I'm having a hard time staying with him right now. Father, I pray for every hand that just went up. And I pray that right now that you would hold on to them. That Jesus, they would just sense a supernatural holding right now. God, that they would sense a supernatural drawing. God, right now and in the days Ahead, Father, that, that they would just sense and just have an awareness that you love them, that you are with them. God, I pray that right now they would just even call to mind times in the past where, where they were walking through a situation and it looked hopeless and then you turned it around. And here they are on the other side. Just help us to have a holy memory. Just to see God was faithful and he's faithful now. God, I pray that you would hold on to us today. Or you might be here today and you're not a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said yes to him. And listen, I want you to know today, death and resurrection, the invitation for you today is Jesus is inviting you to come so that you can have life. And maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian, and you're walking through something and it's hard and it doesn't make sense, and you're thinking, listen, God's not been faithful to me. If God loved me, I wouldn't have had to gone through this. Where was God? Where's God right now? And I just want to say to you, you're here. You're here in this place. What if God brought you just here, here today? What if just for today, God brought you right here in this room so that you could hear, you could hear him say, you're loved even right now. He's working right now, and you don't see him. God loves you, wants a relationship with you. God's not fighting against you. He wants to draw you in, but you got to say yes to him. And so right now, if you know you need Jesus, you know that you're lost, you are loved by God, and God has a purpose for your life. And right now, 
you can turn your life over to Jesus. Have him come in your life as your Lord and Savior. Forgive you for all your sins. And know that you'll never be alone. But you need to say yes to him. And so right now today, if you know you're lost, you know you need Christ, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right there where you sit. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I need you today. Save me today. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you right now. Help me to follow you starting today. And just with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you've and you prayed that prayer, or maybe you didn't, but you know you want Jesus in your life. Would you just lift your hand up? If that's you right now, you want to make that decision so I can pray for you today. Just put your hand in the air. Say, today I'm making that decision.